When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show slash podcast slash hanging out with Jared Weiss of The Athletic. Jared, how are you tonight? I'm hanging. I'm hanging. Yeah, it was an exciting game. It was early, so it's nice that we're kind of chipper and everyone on the East Coast is still up to, uh, to watch and be part of this. So awesome stuff. Instant reactions to the Denver Nuggets uh, losing at home in game two to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, how about your instant reaction to start off? Uh, well, I'm glad that's over because it was really hard to watch. Okay. And, I mean, we were talking about it before we went on the air. This was one of those weird games where it was both, like, physical, but also, like, the teams seemed like they didn't know what they were doing on offense, at least. I, I, I genuinely am not sure if either team really knew what their offensive plan was supposed to be up until, like, the last five minutes or so. Fair that enough. That was a weird part for me. Okay, I hear you. Um, yeah, it was interesting because what I noticed in the first half was these teams are pretty similar with what they like to run. A lot of pistol actions. So you'll see a lot of dribble handoffs in the wing and then sort of ball screens out top, spread the floor wide. The only difference, I think, is that, you know, they'd go down to, to Ennis Cantor down low to put the score, and he did very nicely there. And they go, the Nuggets go to Jokic at the elbow and the high post and above the three point line to space even more. So it's kind of an interesting, you know, basically the same version of the offense, but tweaked a little bit. For for personnel and um yeah i mean i think we had it was pretty uneven it was interesting for me was that portland was able to take a 15 point lead in that first half uh and they weren't even shooting that well so what do you think it was that kind of was able to give them separation early i mean cj mccollum made some really nice plays throughout the night um and you know i mean this was would you call this a rodney hood game uh like maybe it's a- Zach Collins game more than a Rodney Hood game. But, <laughs> I got yeah. two uh, um, uh, Rodney Hood mama tweets, and I haven't done a Rodney Hood mama tweet for probably two years since he was in Utah. So, yeah, let's give it to him. Although Zach Collins for sure was, you know, under the circumstances because Harkless goes down, and that was a brutal uh, – he really rolled his ankle on top of someone's foot coming down, all the weight on it. Like, I don't think he's coming back for the series. I, don't, I, don't, I would be surprised if he's back inside of a week, and that's, that might be it. Uh, and that killed them because I was never a very big Harkless fan. Um, but he's really convinced me that he is, you know, I mean, he could be a, like, like Portland could win the series, right? He could be a viable starter on a Western Conference final team. That, that I would have never thought possible before this year. I mean, I had to genuinely ask who's better, Paul Millsap or Mo Harkless, because wow. I, I just love I love the value that Harkless brings to the team. Paul Millsap is still definitely a better player. Uh, but as far as who is vital in their role, I don't think the difference is that dramatic, honestly. Uh, but we did see Millsap was really important with the offensive rebounding that he had, his ability to finish. I mean, they struggled really a lot to finish tonight. And at least in Millsap, you have a guy that really is over the last decade of his career been mm-hmm. a really good finisher and he just showed that he's he's really able to kind of use power and athleticism to throw himself into bodies and create separation at the rim and actually convert and that was really vital to them actually making or i guess attempting to make that comeback absolutely um and you know when he plays well when Millsap does play well then the nuggets are are really hard to beat um i'm gonna call up the um oh boy i lost my tabs here where is the uh Here's the, the box score. Is it the final? Okay. Uh, let, let's just go through the, the box score really quickly right now because Millsap ended up having 14 points, 6 for 14 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, uh, 11 rebounds. So he, he did contribute, and everyone was sort of really balanced across the board uh, in the starters, and then Malik Beasley off the bench with 13. So, um, But, you know, the Nuggets did not shoot well from the field at all. They were under 35%. And the Blazers were at 42. And that sort of becomes the difference there. And let's just compare. Blazers had nine threes, nine for 29, 
20% versus 6 for 29, 20.7%. So, you know, in a close game like this, when you outscore the other team by three threes, that's nine points. That's kind of like the separation you need. It also certainly helps overcome the 23 offensive rebounds that the, the uh, Nuggets had. I mean, that was kind of crazy. Even with Cantor in there, um, I'm not even sure I can explain how they got so many. I think, you know, here's the thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would imagine there was like four possessions where they got at least two on each possession. Does that sound right? Yeah, and don't forget, they're including all the Jokic chip-ups and all that kind of stuff, and Millsap had a couple as well. So it's not like they're creating a second possession on all those offensive rebounds. Right. In fact, I kind of kind of wish we could differentiate between tip versus offensive rebound because like I remember I, I covered Tristan Thompson a lot over the past couple of years in the playoffs and he's the kind of guy that he'll get like three tips up on a play and they count it every single time as an offensive rebound so when you look at the box score it looks like he's destroying the other team but in reality it's just right. a couple of plays where he just keeps smacking the ball up there which is still like a it's still a valuable play it just it isn't as valuable as what an offensive rebound is supposed to be uh, but at the same time well actually it's about the kind of up undercut my point by saying they had 98 shots compared to 85 for Portland, but I guess all those tips count as a shot. So in reality, it's probably more like, I, I would guess probably six to eight of those are probably just redundant tips rather than actual putback shots. Uh, for sure. And the other problem we have now is if we want to talk a little bit about injuries. So the Harkless thing is going to loom large. Although, again, if they have Zach Collins who can come in there and give them good minutes, that helps. And they are deep. Even a guy like Jake Lehman, um, you know, can give them some minutes. He's got no run in the playoffs, even though we've seen him be pretty good in stretches during the regular season. So I'm not sure why, but he, he might he might get I, – I will make a prediction that Jake Lehman – could actually like will make a big play for them at some point in this series. I feel like he can get in there and do that. Um, now on the flip side, we have Tory. Um, I always want to call him Tory Pines, which is the high school in San Diego. <laughs> Tory um, high school. That's the golf course in San Diego. That too. Both. Um, anyway, he goes down with a, with a uh, severe broken nose. Comes back though, so that's good news for the Denver Nuggets because he was playing Dame very well, uh, and he's just another guy that he can hit a three on occasion. He can. He's very physical, and he can really play defense as the uh, Australian Defensive Player of the Year, Australian League uh, Defensive Player of the Year, as they like to uh, reference on the TV uh, broadcast so often tonight. Um, so that's going to be loom interestingly enough for them. Uh, wait, uh, anybody else injured? Did anybody else on Nuggets go down? No, just him, right? Well, Jamal Murray was playing oh, yeah. flat tire most of that game, it seemed. Yeah. Now, the, the, luckily, we have the kind of the kind of treatments we have now. Modern, you know, treatments are really important with like ankles or quads. So I suspect that they can get him back in shape at the next game. Now, do we? They, they don't play Friday. Do they play Saturday. I believe that's right. Okay, so they have an extra day off, too. I mean, listen, if you're the Rockets or the, the Warriors, you, they must be going to Vegas tonight just to hang out because they have so much <laughs> time off. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's a, that, that will loom uh, somewhat large, but I would anticipate that Jamal Murray would be back. And, you know, we never know, even independent of his knee or his leg thing, whether, whether we're going to get good Jamal or bad Jamal from one night to the next. So I'm not sure that that injury necessarily matters. He hit a big three for them, you know, on one leg anyway tonight. Yeah, that was a funny thing was that three was a clap back after McCollum, I want to say, hit a three mm -hmm. where they, they badly needed it. But otherwise, every time he was going up for a shot, he was short. I mean, he it was pretty apparent that he just didn't have any lift on a shot. And he's a high jump shooter. You know, there's some guards that are a little bit of a set shooter, but he's like a full extension jumping shooter. So that's really going to screw him up. And maybe they put... It's funny, actually, we have a question here. I can't see the name of the person, but they're asking, what's the best Craig slash Barton minutes division? And or they actually ask Minuet's division, but I'm going to divide their minutes instead. And Barton, they probably are going to have to rely upon more in game three because I'm assuming Jamal's not going to be moving very well. And they're going to need to have Barton probably run a lot more point and keep Jamal as more of an off ball shooter. Okay, good point. Now, Barton, I want to check Barton's numbers because he didn't look uh, that great to me tonight. He yeah, and he went one, one for six, but he was crashing the boards like crazy. I mean, that was that was I think that was the one major rebounding anomaly that really I guess Millsap also, but like that stuck out to me that he was phenomenal attacking the glass, and I think that helped them kind of like catalyze some of their run there. The second round is underway, and besides the Rockets Warriors, everyone is knotted up at one apiece, and they could go either way. You might be interested in putting some money down on whether the Celtics or the Trailblazers will win the series. 
You've already got a leg up with all my insights. So head over to betonline.ag, the one place to get in on all the action, grab the odds, and allow the experts to do the heavy lifting for you. Sports, live betting, virtual casino, you name it. BetOnline.ag is B-Ball Breakdown's preferred sportsbook online. If you're feeling lucky and would like to support the channel, go to clnsmedia.com slash bball and use promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's clnsmedia.com slash bball for a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Well, let's go to YouTube. Uh, we have a nice ribald, uh, not ribald might not be the right word, but certainly a, uh, uh, a vociferous chat group going on in there. And uh, let's see if we know that the caption might be off. Forgive me. Uh, I, tr- I, I went live before I could change it. And I did change it, but it doesn't seem to want to update. So it's going to have an old caption. But here we are. This is the post game for Nuggets Blazers. Uh, let's see here. Um, is there a good question here? Well, I, let's go to Piggy Knight, who's asking us. Like, it will get us off of um, you know the Great subject name. for a second. Uh, who will you guys pick for the East? Mine is the Celtics. Well, it's not the Celtics. So uh, I, I still got Toronto as my team after everything that's happened in the game twos. I think they're they're the most well-designed team for the playoffs. They've, I think, clearly exhibited their capability. I mean, Siakam went, what, 9 for 25, and they still came pretty close to winning uh, that game where Philly was playing really well. So, yeah. you know, they have – they have that. They have the guy that is the most reliable closer in the conference, which definitely means a lot. And I love the way that their system has been designed offensively and defensively, and the way that Gasol's really coming to his own. And Siakam, you know, through, he's like consistently progressed from like borderline All Star to borderline All NBA player. I think over the wow. course of the season and the level that he's playing at right now, considering how unbelievable his defense is. I mean, I think his defense has been you know, almost defensive player of the year level uh, in the last couple months. So he's just, he's turned into this like additional all-star that they didn't really have a, as like their reputation a couple months ago. You know, I did a video that covered uh, the adjustments that worked for uh, the Sixers. And I showed when the five on the starting fives met, you know, played against each other and it didn't really work. The Raptors really scored really efficiently. Um, now, there are other times, I'm sure, when maybe Siakam shot the ball against Embiid when it wasn't those five on the five. But, um, you know, when we had about, I don't know, uh, let's see, about 15 minutes worth of that. And uh, that's more than that's probably more than double any other time that the floor uh, uh, that they had those matchups. So uh, I'm not so sure that Philly. Yeah, they might have a little bit of false sense of security on this one. And certainly the way that the Raptors came back indicated to me, having played as poorly as they did and shot as poorly as they did, that it's probably a matter of time until they get control of that series again and take it. And yeah, I don't think that anyone else is playing as, as well as they are anyway. They just seem to have uh, enough of everything to get them through, uh, unless on the other bracket we see, you know, uh, either the Celtics or um, the um, the Celtics or the. Um, I'm blanking. Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you. I just sorry. I was up till two thirty in the morning and up at six a.m. this morning. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, none of whom are really grabbed me. Certainly not the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are going to make it uh, out of there against the Celtics. We. That's. I think you agree with me on that one, right? Yeah. Okay. I. Yeah, I, I think the Bucks are. I have Bucks in seven. I think I'll still stick with that. Okay. Bucks and well, Bucks and seven. Really? Okay. Wow. Um, all right. Well, let's let's move over to uh, let's see if we can find a good comment. Oh, now the comments are working. Great. Uh, over on the uh, <laughs> wait, Mike, Michael Fraser wants to know, Nick, why don't you sleep? Why don't I sleep? Are you kidding? I had to do a collaboration with um, the Heat Check. Have you ever watched that show on YouTube? Have you ever seen it, Stefan? No. He's a guy no, from, from he's from Europe yeah. and he does he's like similar to me but a little bit less X's and O's. So I we I, we did a, a great one today where I did half and he did half. Like I focused on one team, he focused on the other, and then on his channel I did one for him a half and he did half. So I was up you know all night trying to get that done. Um, but uh, so I, that's why I don't sleep. It's certainly the last like four, you know two weeks has been pretty rough. We have one from Zelna Zelnavakov. As a Blazer fan, Evan Turner is the worst for the money we are paying him. Evan Turner is the buzzkill. And luckily, what they here's the thing. They've they've made he's my guy. It's just so painful. He is. I'm sorry, but here's the thing. I want to give him some props. He's like he's embraced the role they gave him. And here's the role. You're gonna play 
12 minutes, you're not going to shoot. Like, <laughs> that's his role. And you know what? He's doing pretty well. He did have one, like, 18, 19-footer that hit off the backboard. I was like, uh, And uh, that, was, that was brutal. So, but, uh, yeah, I, he's a frustrating player for me, and he's been that way the whole time. I think probably because of the way he shoots. And I hate to say because there's probably other guys who don't shoot well that I, I still can enjoy. But um, he used to dominate the ball way too much. It just sort of brought all the movement and all the fun spacing down. And he's kind of stopped that, which is good. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a cloud that comes in when he, when he comes in for Portland. And uh, they got to mitigate that and get the best out they can out of him, which is one way they do this by just giving him 14 minutes, and that's it. Well, um, you know, here's where E.T. presents value at this point because his shot, it like almost looked like it was going to come together, and it just didn't. And actually tonight he had a really bad one. I know he's mm-hmm. going to regret that one. Um, I think it's that, one, he plays with pretty good composure usually. He, de- he tends not to make big mistakes, which is an issue for these guys because uh, CJ and Dane can kind of go over the top and get a little out of control. And those are the only two guys, unless, I guess Rodney Hood, you can add to that now. Those are like the only guys on the roster that can really handle the ball and try to play make. And, you know, Rodney Hood is a better is a better fit than Evan Turner. But I think they complement each other in that, like, Hood isn't a playmaker, but he at least can create for himself and score. While Turner is a smart passer, he can reset a play and continue dribble. You know, a lot of the stuff that guys like Aminu, Harkless, uh, Lehman, Collins, or other kind of guys that play in the front court can't really do. So there's some, there is definitely some use in what Turner brings to the table, especially in that he can grab a rebound and really push in transition. He did that a couple times. So he can at least keep the pace up for the, uh, for the offense, but they need to have one of McCollum or Lillard out there with him to yeah. ensure that they have enough shooters on the floor. And, uh, the, and Stotts did it again tonight. There was a stretch there in the, second quarter i want to say where he had both of them out and it actually oh actually let me let me change that i gotta look at that one do the breakdown they actually kind of increased the lead when they had both of those guys out for a few minutes so he could play with fire i guess and sort of see how it goes but to, to make the comment about evan turner or whatever i think the way they went wrong was getting rid of alan crab and i can't remember exactly how that happened i think he left uh, and signed with the nets they i tra- thought they traded them they traded them the okay so hey. i yeah, who did they trade him for? Uh, I don't know if they even kept any assets out of that deal. I okay, think it, was, it was a salary dump. Because um, from yeah, uh, yeah, what do you call it? He signed a he signed that massive offer sheet with Brooklyn, and they yeah. balked and they, and they kept him even after they made the promise of Turner. They really screwed themselves oh, over by right. not backing out on the Turner agreement. And keeping both of them, then they had to dump them at that point right. and tag the picks onto it. Yeah, that was the problem. They, they, they Alan Crabb to me was the perfect fit with what they had there, and really, sure. you know, he's doing well when he's when he's healthy. The Nets, but like th- that's the guy who, um, who, who really like they, they had a three man three guard thing going on that really worked well for Portland. That was a frustrating thing, and then they brought Evan Turner in that completely changed the dynamic because he doesn't shoot as well. So, um, Anyhow, I'm looking through these uh, the, the things. Do we have any good questions here over on um, in, uh, what's it not called? Not Instagram on Periscope. There's, there's someone in YouTube named MBW Doughboy. Just want to shout out that name. That's pretty great. Oh, nice. Uh, now Westbrook's M- Westbrook's MCL, which is always another great name. Asks, <laughs> it's a great. One. Um, what's the best Craig Barton minutes division? Which is really good. I think my quick answer to that would be something like um, you kind of just got to see who how each one is playing and ride the hot hand that night. I feel like does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I said before that I think, especially at least in game three with Murray probably going to be hobbled, that Barton should get more run. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the nine-man rotation trying to figure out where you take minutes away. I guess you could just not play Plumley. They don't really need Plumley in this series because with Collins, I feel like you could just put you could just put Craig on him. if but. Right. Craig might not well, be on the floor at the same time because of the rotations. But Plumley did give them some good minutes. I mean, he only played 12 minutes, but uh, oh, you know what? He was a minus eight. Interesting. But uh, he had how many blocks? He had two blocks, grabbed some boards. I thought he was relatively effective. But yeah, like when you say you don't play Plumley, yeah, you play him like the 10 minutes, 11 minutes. That's probably what he's ever, that's the max he's going to get. Yeah, I think they'll just probably chip away a couple minutes from Murray and give them the Barton. And yeah. then it depends whether Beasley's hot. I mean, Beasley was really playing his ass off tonight, so that's why he got a lot of minutes. Um, but you know, Plumley, I like I like them having Plumley out there for you know five to or I mean you know like two five minute rotations or so. I guess mm-hmm. based on twelve six minute rotations. 
Yeah. And by the way, if you're out there on Periscope, a, a, a fun game we love to play is everybody hit the share button at the same time on Twitter and let everyone else know <laughs> that follows you that we're out here having a nice conversation and we'll answer some more questions. So uh, Quintessential or Quintessential asks, why is everyone so confident they'll beat Philly? Uh, this is the um, uh, the Raptors. Well, um, not confident. I just I think they will, but I'm not like super confident. OK, uh, he's and he's a Raptors fan. He's not confident after game two. I am. I'm going to give you the confidence. I just feel like they have uh, what they need. Um, you know, I, I think it's the Simmons MB thing that's troubling to me overall. Uh, and I and I do feel like the Raptors won't shoot that poorly again uh, on open shots that they got. So um, so I don't know. And it's just maybe just a feeling. You know, of doing this long enough where you kind of just sort of feel it but uh i could be wrong but the philly fans hate me they feel like i've been uh, hating on their team all season long which might be true even though i you know i've done these epic videos praising ben simmons and saying how awesome he is um for you know before but the way they use him now is just it irks me so that's probably what's uh you know influencing me most of the time for the uh what's going on with philly um and, and then the fact that they have reddick who it's a it's a gauntlet to have to like you know, have him get attacked on defense every time and then hope he is, gets hot and gets the shots he needs, which is not easy in that offense. And that's the problem. Uh, they, let's see here. Yeah. And they don't have offensive depth to put somebody in instead of him. Right. Okay. By the way, here's a good question from Alex G. Oh, first of all, let's give a shout out to Jigglopuff, who is always out there on YouTube to moderate the uh, comments. Like, no matter what time, I don't even tell him ahead of time. He's just there uh, and he's re- and he's always moderating and getting rid of the bad co- comments. So, thank you so much for that. Uh, and, and just the, the most reliable part of my life, really. So, um, Alex G. Jiggle, let's just take a moment to commend Jigglopuff for one of the greatest names I've ever seen. Yeah, Jigglopuff. So we can't even go Jigglopuff, but Jigglopuff, either way, wherever you are. And I think you're probably like, he might be like in France or something for all we know. Um, Alex G, what defense do you throw at Jokic? Do you double team and f- force role players to hit their threes? Um, that's a great question. What do you think, Jared? Was it do you double team Jokic on the roll? Is that what they're asking? No, double team like down low in the post, or for and and, oh. and then force the role players to hit their threes. Uh, no, because he passes out of it easily. He shoots over it pretty easily too. Um, yeah, I I think the one time that you double him is if you slide. I think if you rotate baseline from so you rotate over that second defender baseline and try to push him up against the baseline to really force him into the into like kind of falling back over and then. His only easy outlet pass is a strong side elbow, but you have your defender right there, and that makes, I think, recovering out of that double really easy. So I would sneak that over. Of course, your risk is that they're going to – the off um, the Nuggets will send, like, Millsap or whomever down into the dunker spot underneath the rim, and he could try to pass over that double. But if you're doubling aggressively enough, he's going to be basically falling backwards and trying to retreat and shouldn't be able to have that passing lane. But he showed tonight he can pass over through – did he, I forget. Did he was he getting doubled when he threw that bounce pass through the defender's legs tonight. N- no, I, I, I think it, it, it was a weird. Did he get something? Got weird. The, the defense got out of position, like on a on a deflection, maybe. But yeah, I mean, by the but that, that was an amazing. I missed it. I didn't realize he did it through the legs when when he first did it, and I was like trying to get out uh, film that. Um, now, yeah, I, I agree. I think what you need to do is let him score fifty points if he wants. Let him score fifty points. Shut everybody else down. Uh, I, he won't score 50 points. He's not that kind of mindset of a player. And he's so earthbound that, you know, I, I would take my chance with Cantor guarding him one-on-one. I really would. Um, you know, he might get a bunch of those putbacks. He misses, missing, they put him back, whatever. That's fine. Let the let it get messy down there. But, uh, yeah, I feel like once you start doubling, you're in trouble. They have too many good shooters. They have too many guys who can slash. Um, it seems to me a lot, a lot, that they're at their best when he's triple doubling and he's getting you know you know 20 different uh, assist version uh, assist passes what are those called um assist possibilities um, that's not the right word yeah well, but assist he, opportunities um, or something yes he just had like what 43 points a couple games ago he could do that i, I don't uh did he have four yeah did he have that many and what, what did they win yeah. that game yeah was that that was a closeout game right or, may, or was it oh game, game seven game, did remember? he oh he had 30 something i don't think he had 40 right but he had yeah so okay um, I, I still think you take your chances with that. I think I think that's their their best chance. Uh, you know, now granted, you can mix it up, and they did. You saw them double team. You know, uh, at times tonight. Um, 
So, you, you know, mixing up is not a bad idea as long as the rotations are right and you're coming from the right area, not one pass away, uh, then, then you can do it a little bit. But I would still prefer to see I, – I, I, I get nervous if I were the other team when he starts to see over the – like what you said, see over the defense, make those passes. I mean, he really is the best passer in the league right now, I think. Um, by the way, someone had mentioned earlier in the, in the YouTube thing how nice it was that, um, that LeBron is not in the playoffs this year. And I wonder, do you agree with that? I, I tweeted about that earlier. By the way, thank you, Martin Chasel. He had the 43 was game six. They lost that game. I forgot it went to game seven, then they won. But so I mentioned that earlier. I don't I wouldn't call it nice that LeBron's not in it, but I just thought it was kind of strange that um, it's like I don't miss LeBron's presence at all. Or you don't feel LeBron's presence being like a vacuum or a void at all in this offseason or postseason. I think it's probably because Giannis and Kawhi have just been so dominant that they're kind of filling a lot of that role of what LeBron usually does. Okay. Especially because Giannis is such a similar player now anyway, uh, to uh, LeBron anyway. Obviously, there's some limitations, but like the way that they're running their team, the way their teams are designed around them, it really does kind of feel similar to LeBron. So, yeah, all these teams have a really fascinating star on them that it, it doesn't it's like we don't, it doesn't really matter. Okay, I, let, let's get some beef out of the way because we were talking about this before we went, out, went live. The, the, the uh, referees, I thought, were terrible tonight. And I wrote it down, some of the plays. And it was all against Portland for the most part. They're, they finally got one that was terrible. That was Jokic's fifth foul where, you know, I don't know. It was some weird statement foul that you would have made in the first quarter for this first foul, not his fifth in the fourth quarter. But Lillard has a drive. They had a nice replay of it where he goes up and he yelled. And a lot of times players will yell all the time looking for a foul. But, like, he got bumped on one side. He got hammered on the hand, on the arm, on the other by Jokic. Uh, Jake Lehman had a, took a charge in the, in the middle of the court. And they called it a block. Like, at the very least, you, you know, it was an and one for Millsap. Okay, like, maybe it's a no call, but it's not a, it cannot be a block, what they called there. It was crazy. And then Lillard gets elbowed in the face, and they call a foul on him. And the referee was, like, angry at him <laughs> calling it. And I, am I missing anything? Did you see any other ones? I know there's got to be other ones, too, that were just head-scratching. Um, there was, there was one where they reviewed it, where I thought it was silly that they had to review it, but that's not even, that's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. Jokic got five fouls and then committed two fouls on the next <laughs> two plays and they didn't call it, which yeah. is great. I mean, I'm glad obviously, but like, <laughs> you know, he fouled Cantor on the next play and then he said, he said a moving screen where he threw two elbows like out in front of him and then just like walked into the guy. Yeah. So, yeah. There was uh, another one under under the basket, like later on in my mind's eye, I can see where he was like gave a guy a really nice push too to get on to get the re- rebound or go for the rebound, uh, which you know that that kind of stuff happens too. But um, you know it, it, they just struggled. They did not have a good control of the game, um, and that that's frustrating. So now in the YouTube comments, we have these uh, these really bright orange uh, comments. I don't remember exactly why they appear that way, but I think they're important. So let's make sure we t- touch upon them. New do new do NBW Doughboy asks Katie the best player in the world right now um is katie the best player in the world right now uh absolutely absolutely okay i don't think it's that close right now yeah Um, yeah because who else would challenge him i guess either Kawhi, Kawhi and Giannis. um curry is hurt and kind of like you know not not himself yeah like i mean while curry could still obviously do amazing stuff on offense it's just a defensive impact Uh, like katie right now is defending at an all nba level it's incredible what he's doing defensively um I mean, they're start. They're, I mean, I guess technically Draymond is at the five, but you know, like he, he can do everything defensively and he's doing everything offensively. And his scoring has just been off the charts and he's playmaking really well. So I think it's pretty apparent that he's number one. And then, you know, Kawhi and Giannis are probably like right there below him. For sure. Okay. Hey, there's a good question. The only Mets fan on, on Periscope asks, what is Cantor's offseason deal looking like? He has played himself into more than like an MLE. Um, that's actually a good question. I mean, MLE certainly would have been what I would have thought before the playoffs started. But you know what? His defense it hasn't been, you know, it, nobody seems to figure out how to make him look as bad as we thought he was going to be. And he can score down there with his right hand only. Um, what do you think? He, I think that Portland is showing that he can be used in the playoffs, for one. And that he can, there, you can build your defensive schemes that he doesn't completely screw you over. Because I think most teams are just afraid to have Cantor getting paid more than biannual, essentially, because they're thinking if we're a contending team, we just can't use this guy in the playoffs that much or he's going to play 10 minutes. But 
I think he's showing that he, you know, he could be definitely, he should be a backup five most of the time or matchup dependent five. Uh, but his defense, while it's been bad, I don't think it's been like horrible. He hasn't been this like complete sieve, but he is a team that teams can target. Um, but you know what? He's got one of the hardest matchups that he could have in Jokic, and I think he's doing a. I think he's doing an okay job. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing a below league average job on Jokic, which is pretty freaking valuable. And considering that he can get you like fifteen and and nine most nights, you know he's probably worth right. I think he's worth right around the mid level, maybe a little bit less than that, but right. I, I'd be okay giving the mid level. And that's the thing, you know, his defense is just okay enough that if he gives you the 15 points, then it's balanced. It's good. Like you're okay there. And as we saw tonight when they won. So that is key um, because remember, sometimes it's not really all about just the defensive evaluation of a player. If you're going to get a whole lot of offense on the other side, then there's what you can play with that. There's some leeway here. Whereas I feel like coaches in the past have simply felt like they want to shut other teams out. Like they, they just sort of, they, they coach every defensive possession as if they're going to try and shut the team out. Just doesn't work that way. It's never happened yet. It probably won't ever happen in the going forward. So you have to be able to understand how, what, what you get out of each player and how to maximize that and not just shoot yourself, you know, or cut, cut your nose off to spite your face. Um, let's go to a couple, couple, a couple more questions. There are some really good ones here on the YouTube side, which is a little bit rare for me, but we haven't done a, a YouTube uh, <laughs> live show in a while. YouTube chat is pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah, yep. it used to be. Listen, it was a, it was a cesspool. But anyway, and, and even with Jigglo um, Puff out there. But um, let's see here. Derek Rose asks, what team from the East do you feel is best to knock off Golden State? So the question is not necessarily who's going to get out, but who would be best to, not to beat Golden State. What do you think? Wow, that's really hard. I mean, uh, I would say it was probably going to be uh, Milwaukee, right? Defensively, length-wise, I, I don't know because I feel like Milwaukee's pick and roll scheme is would be a disaster against. Uh, oh yeah, they give a lot of threes, don't they? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're they're trying to give up threes over the top. Um, you know, their drop scheme can work well against like Kyrie Irving because Kyrie likes to get some deep dribble penetration, but. The Golden State, they're all about just getting over the screen level and then shooting that ball as fast as they can. So, right. All right, so the, the, the Raptors. So I'd probably say the Raptors. Um, I mean, the Celtics are probably the best design for it, but their their execution and their you know and their just ability to show up is too inconsistent. Um, I mean, Boston, I think talent wise, still still is the team right. the with Marcus Smart. With Marcus Smart, sure, but yeah. it's just right now. I mean, you know what? Marcus Smart's probably going to come back for Game Five against Milwaukee, and oh. maybe a repeat of next year. And I'm not reporting that, so don't aggregate me. I'm saying like the line, it, the timeline lines up to him. Probably All right. you have that. to say that before you say that, otherwise it's <laughs> aggregated. So it's too. Don't aggregate but... me. So <laughs> right. I'm not Ethan Strauss. I'm not. I, I don't have to do it right before I say it. All right. Well, anyhow, uh, Joseph. Yes, uh, Joseph Dol uh, Dol asks what adjustments can the Rockets make or are they just screwed <laughs> which is a nice way of putting it um I don't I don't think that um this just isn't working the, the Rockets don't have what they need to beat the the Warriors right does that feel the same way to you yeah well nobody does but um they they probably should cut back on Clint he's just not working right now maybe reintroduce him as a key cog later in the series but just keep going I, smaller and smaller I would just keep going smaller and smaller i would have even like have capella sit on his on his ass just so that he's smaller i mean i don't know what they can do with that but like tucker should be the five they i think they need to change the way that they utilize chris paul chris paul should be i think chris paul should be coming off of screens and you know taking shots like that like they yeah. should they shouldn't be solely relying on the ISO system because, you know, frankly, teams are figuring out how to defend Harden better in the playoffs this year than they were last year because it's not quite as novel. And he's and D'Antoni hasn't really adjusted the system enough for there to be kind of like this new wrinkle. I mean, the way that teams are top locking or literally getting behind him and all that kind of stuff has been interesting. And I do like Golden State just trying to fuck with him and just like having him like kind of like take weird floaters at the free throw line and stuff like that. Like keep keep doing that kind of stuff. But like Houston needs to run sets for other players because Harden looks a little yeah. bit burnt out by all this stuff. And obviously last game with the eye stuff, it's like we don't you know, that clearly wasn't going to be a good night for Harden. So it's unfair to really judge them based on what just happened. Um, but they have to assume that it's going to be a slog for him the rest of the series. And they need to find ways to create for uh, not blood. So like Gordon and Paul in ways in which you're not trying to break people down off the dribble. Like just yeah. run a freaking just run a freaking ball screen. 
I agree. I, I feel like it's been uh, st- startling to me how uh, marginalized. Sorry, uh, no worries. How marginalized CP3 has been. He just doesn't seem to have a, a real profound effect on the game like he did certainly last year, where it was a one-two punch. And even though he was doing ISOs, and and we're seeing it, so I can I can picture in my mind's eye. Oh, yeah, he's he's doing that, but. Um, uh, a little bit, but it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't have the same effect as in the game as it did last year. Whereas when he went down in Game Five, like it was, it was it. Like that, that totally deflated the Rockets. Whereas the first few games, you get, he really was a problem for the Warriors. So something has just fundamentally changed. They changed the, you know, the lineups are different because of the personnel, and uh, they just can't seem to recapture what they had last year. Uh, it's too bad because you know this is this is going to be over. I mean, when, how many games do you think it's going to be for the Rockets and the Warriors now? Five. It feels like it right now, but I, I still have enough faith in the Rockets to turn it around. Yeah. And they are going home, which will help. That's true. I, and- I, do, I do say, though, that the, the defense that the Warriors are displaying in spurts is so overwhelming. Uh, and we've seen it in the first round and now this round, too. Not all the time, but like when they turn that on, it's like they can't do anything. It's the teams are not going to be able to get a bucket. And uh, that, that's what they can hang their hat on. Uh, and then the 20-footer pull-up, Kevin Durant over... Jesus or anybody else who might try and guard him, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he just scores it. So and that's just Muhammad Adam too. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, anyway, well, actually, what, yeah. wait, quick, quick question, I, Jared White's entering the YouTube chat here. Um, is, Dray- is Draymond Green still the best defender in the NBA? And is what he if if he continues to defend the way he's defending in the playoffs? I know we've had this debate, but does does that cement him as your best defender of all time or best defender since the merger? Yeah, I mean, again, that that discussion is tough because the guys who you would put in that list from the past didn't get to do what he does on the perimeter, rotate and switch and all those different things. They could have done it, I'm sure, but we just don't have any evidence to look at it. So uh, that's the problem, and that's you know maybe his benefit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the things that he does are all so next level, and the way he quarterbacks the defense overall is in there, nobody does what he does. Nobody knows how to be able – like you watch when Curry or anybody else gets stuck on a mismatch, they're off of that mismatch within two seconds, and it's because he's right there and pushing and, and calling and directing, or he's rotating over to stop the pass, get the rebound, get a deflection. Um, nobody does what he does like that in that level. Um, I don't even know if you can teach that. Like I, I kind of want to sit down with him and talk to him about it because I feel like it might just be a – you know, his innate natural mindset that he's just born with. But uh, yeah, I, I now, so does it cement him all time? I, I, I know he's moving there. I feel like it's going to be at some point when his, you know, career is over. So yeah, why not just, you know, claim it now? Yeah. And I mean, I think you have to say post merger just because, like, you can't compare him to Bill Russell. Like, there's just no, right. I don't think there's like enough logical way to compare him to like what Bill was doing. It was just, there's too much of a difference. And I think Bill Russell would probably, if he was playing today, let's pretend he's 20 instead of his current age we would probably do everything that uh draymond did i mean just i've watched a lot of tape of bill over the years the way he moved was very similar his instincts are very similar he was an it seemed like he had like a 40 inch vertical i mean based on some of the clips we've seen of him but so i assume they would be pretty comparable and i wonder if if uh if ben wallace played today whether he would be similar to draymond i feel like he's someone that had the the foot like the feet and the build to be able to do what yeah. Draymond did, so he, he'd be similar. But well, Dray- yeah, Akeem Olajuwon would would be able to do something like that. Too, yeah, that's true. Sure. But you know, Draymond, he he just he's always in this like state of playing zone, where he might have his man that he's guarding, but like he's also kind of like also kind of loosely double teaming some other player on the, on the floor as well. And there's just nobody quite like it. You know, Kawhi Leonard is the other guy that has been dominant for half a decade as a defender. And he is both the you know the greatest smotherer on the ball, and he's able to help and do amazing stuff. But he just doesn't quite, and maybe because it's just not his responsibility and role in the defense. But there's just this way that Draymond is just quarterbacking everything in real time, and he's putting himself into different positions, and he guards like four different types of plays throughout the possession. And if mm-hmm. you just keep your eye on him, you'll see that he's shutting down one action over here and another one over here. And he's just doing all this stuff all over the place that just isn't quite what Kawhi or really anyone else is doing. And, you know, Giannis might be getting towards that. I think Giannis's roaming is maybe comparable to what Draymond can do, but he just doesn't, he's not seeing it. He's not processing it that, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's someone else I wanted to bring up, but whatever. The point is Draymond is very good. I, Yes. Like Draymond, it's a basketball yeah. player. Yeah, and by the way, ironically for him, like I, we, we described Cantor, if he gets the 15 points, then his defense gets mitigated. Well, it's the reverse. 
because even if he misses those threes or he's not a threat on the offense, what he does on the defense balances that out and then then some. So in a weird way, like he's the opposite of like what you would normally evaluate for a player. And uh, again, it's just really impressive. Um, we had another question by NBW Doughboy. How do you guys think Steph can fix his defensive uh, issues. Uh, I, I don't think he can. I, he, he doesn't look as good as he has in the past. Like two or three years ago, he really was better. Um, but I think he's not moving great. I know he sprained his ankle pretty severely in the, a couple of games ago. That's probably going to limit his mobility. And his, you know, anyway, he now has the, um, a finger issue, which is going to probably get got swollen and probably all black and blue and really hurts now. Maybe they give him a splint. So that's going to probably limit his willingness to reach in like he does really well. So they just got to hope that he can kind of keep a position, you know, not get into any further damage with his uh, body and um, and just get a hand up. Well, Steph did a really good job on a couple possessions where he was on Harden. So I, I thought that was impressive. Yeah. I well, think, the, mean, yeah, the big thing is he's not gliding over screens the way he usually does. And I think that's the thing that he does really well at his position. That's always made him a plus defender. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's probably the one area that I've noticed doesn't look the same. Um, and I think he's just he's taking possessions off a little bit more than he used to just because he's getting older and he's been a little bit he's had some lower body injuries. And I think it's just that's how it that's how it goes when you get to your 30s. You're just going to start taking a couple plays off. And I don't think it's the end of the world as long as you're locked in for the last couple minutes. For sure. For sure. Well, Brady, Brady 80 is a, a Philly fan. He doesn't hate me. So thank you, Brady, for not hating me <laughs> and what I've been talking about for the Phillies uh, for the Phillies for the uh, Sixers. Um and let's see here. Any good questions as I'm going through? Do you see anything you want to grab out of there? Braun over Jordan, ironically asks, are the Warriors bad for the league? Oh, you know, um, I suppose if they win again, then it's really easy. Does that, like, leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth? What do you it think? Does, it does up until July 1st when KD signs with the Knicks, and then at that point it just goes back to, you know, let's say let's say that team stays together then I think the league will be at this perfect equilibrium where you have, I mean, assuming everybody pretty much stays together, you've got four teams in the East that probably can compete pretty well with that Warriors team. Denver, I don't want to say anything about Denver right now after that game, so who knows. But, like, you know, Houston maybe will still be really competitive with them. So the parity at the top of the league should be pretty exciting if KD does manage to leave. And I think that's probably the one reason why NBA fans should want KD to leave is that they should hope that the Warriors stay together. We still have the beautiful team that is the Warriors, but there's more evenness and open competition. Um, But I think right now, I mean, we'll see what happens, but the Warriors look somewhat vulnerable. And I think that this will be the finals should be interesting because I really like these Eastern conference teams. Mm -hmm. I think all four of them, when they're on, they're good enough to beat the Warriors, but it's just, the Warriors, yeah. even when the Warriors are off, they're so good enough to beat themselves. The, the, the Warriors, uh, in an existential sense, like they're still KD will pull something out. Steph Clay, it's like there's always going to be someone who's going to be scoring at an elite level for sure. Uh, let's run down. We have a couple of really good questions I want to get to before we start to wrap this up uh, because we're getting a little bit long in the tooth. But some again, I can't I praise the YouTube comments enough. This is great. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dylan Wayne asks, how do you keep the nuggets off the glass? More Leonard. Um, that's a great question because obviously it's not enough to have, uh, to go small, uh, when you go, I mean, I would think that Zach Collins could get in there and you have Cantor, but they might have to play with, uh, yeah, getting Myers Leonard in there, but Leonard Myers Leonard to me doesn't even feel like a real defensive rebounding presence anyway. Yeah. I, I think the best move for them is to have Lehman Collins and Cantor out there. And I'm just, I'm not including Harkless because Harkless seemed like he was hurt there. So yeah, um, I think having Lehman at the three would help a lot because he's a really good rebounder for that position. Yeah, he's so a good jumper. And I can, think, yeah, I think that pro- actually, I think him at the three probably impacts the rebounding more than anything. But also, I actually, I guess to be fair, Aminu is gonna is at the three a lot, and Aminu is a good rebounder. Ah, uh, you gotta you gotta give him a, a a kick in the ass sometimes. And I think that's what Sots is gonna need to do is go through that film and be like, Chief, get in there more. He led the team in rebounding tonight. Did he really? Yeah, he had um, 10 rebounds. Yeah. He, he felt like the one guy. I'm looking around like, where is he? Why is he not out now? I like to, uh, If I reload this and go, I wonder what the, how that broke out, first half versus second half, because now we can do that. So, all right, Aminu had 11. Oh, sorry, he had, let's see, 10 rebounds in the second half. Aminu had, da, 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 dum, 
Uh, six. Okay, so he had more than his half in the second half. All right, I guess my mind's eye is not functioning properly because it felt like he just wasn't as impactful. But you know what? That's a lot of rebounds, so good for him. Um, they need more. Just even, even more of that, I would imagine, uh, especially with Harkless out. Um, now, how about this? Uh, Astrid DeCecco asks, with, uh, with the reliance of the three, why don't teams drive towards the basket when their shots don't fall? That's a great question. I mean, I, obviously, the, the answer would probably be that, uh, you know, the, the variance or the uh, odds are that eventually it will go in. So we want to continue to shoot those to get back to the odds of whatever you know, the percentages are going to be. Does that make sense to you with, with the math? Yeah. Um, it, I know. It's, yeah. I, it's, I think it's – I don't necessarily agree with that premise. I think that teams do – try to attack the rim plenty when their shots aren't falling. Um, and teams will probably attack the rim more when their shots aren't falling in that they will up fake and then attack a closeout because they're less confident in themselves to shoot into a closeout. Yeah, although, you know, he has a, it's a good point because tonight Denver missed eight or nine straight in the second quarter to fell behind by 15. The crowd was booing. Um, so there was an example of like, you know, and it, it wasn't eight or nine in a row on eight or nine possessions in a row. I don't think, but it was probably like 11 possessions. They miss eight in a row. And, um, I know when I grew up playing, it was like, we had a coach would say no more threes, like literally the, a blanket rule across the board. If like one guy or two guys miss a couple, right. Uh, that seems kind of crazy too. Um, you know, so I think I think it's really it's the kind of threes that you need to be able to be more aware of. The contested threes you got to stop taking, right? Yeah. The uh, dribble and you know pulling up with a guy in your face, you know those kind. It's the if you drive to the basket and kick, okay, now to the corner. Now that's a great three, no matter when you take it, no matter what happened before that. So I think that's the thing we have to learn and continue to evolve. Is is players just need to get better at shot selection. Coaches need to get better at developing their offenses so it's constantly creating those good shots. Like it's almost impossible not to. To get a good shot and then uh and then you'll start to see maybe finally one day we'll see the league average three-point percentage creep up significantly over time versus what we haven't seen for since the advent of the three-pointer sure and by the way uh robbie edwa over in the periscope was saying oh. that aminu hasn't played the three in two years because we we're talking about the rebounding thing oh, right. so i'm I'm saying in in uh, in the idea that they would put Collins and Cantor out there together to try to fortify rebounding. I guess Aminu would be the three, but okay. it's a big question. Would you? Because I think this is probably a real issue and solution we have to figure out for the series. Would you put, assuming it's going to be Jokic and uh, Millsap out there together, would you be willing to put Cantor and Collins out there at the same time, and then have Aminu or Layman or I guess Harkless at the three next to? Damon CJ. Okay. Well, I, we'll have to wait and see. I, now, there's a good question here, and I'm interested because I can't see it on my, uh, in my browser, but I do see my phone. Uh, and let's, let's throw the Lakers a bone as we wrap this up. What do you say? Oh, God, why not? Robbie Rob asks uh, this. Is there any chance Lakers make the eighth seed next year? Uh, hell if I know. I mean, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they, um, this I mean, season, they would have easily made it if LeBron doesn't get hurt. Yeah, they would have made it if LeBron didn't get hurt. Uh, the season went as poorly as humanly possible. The AD situation should be resolved by June or July. So, What's I'm, that going to be? What's the res- resolution? Well, Dave Griffin is mounting a very impressive PR campaign to try to keep him there. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, you know, as, as much as Griff... I, as much as I would buy Griff selling me on improved institutional, you know, comprehensiveness and comprehension and just like New Orleans being a well-run franchise again, um, there's nothing they can really do from a personnel perspective to change anything. And if I'm AD, I want to get the hell out of there because that team is just not that good. And right. he's wasted so much time. It's, it's just time. Oh, my time his career. It's like he's got to do it. He's he's hitting his prime now. Health is not certain with him. He's got to attack it now while he's a truly elite player because he has to start building up to being a true champion. Maybe he goes to a really good team like Boston or New York loading up with a bunch of guys or maybe one of the L.A. teams or even Golden State or whatever. But like unless it's Golden State, obviously, I'm pretty sure he's going to have to. There's going to be some growing pains to being an actual champion he's got to start going through that now so that when he hits his prime at 27 he's kind of like fortified as that champion player so you don't think he's in his prime yet huh i mean he's 25 usually prime starts at 27 he seems like he's in his prime but there's still a lot of areas that he can improve so no i don't 
I think he's a pro. I think he's entering his prime. He's on the precipice of it. But yeah, he he's gonna get really goddamn good. Okay. Well, good to know. Good to know. Well, everyone in the chat seems to be loving this. And uh, yeah, I lament not doing enough of these. And you know what? It's because we, you and I haven't, just haven't done it, but I'm glad that we can be here to do this. Uh, let's do it again tomorrow night. What do you say? Absolutely. All right. We'll put it on your calendars after tomorrow's game. Jared and I will be right back here again. We'll do it on, on YouTube. Why not? We'll do it on Periscope and anywhere else. Maybe we'll do it on Facebook Live. What do you say about that? Whatever Jigglypuff wants, we'll do. All right, that. we'll all right. We gotta get Jigglypuff on all the other platforms. But again, big shout out to Jigglypuff for all of that. Love you, love everybody. Again, just a fantastic. The best questions we've had uh, on the YouTube side in my nine years of doing this. Which, by the way, it's it's my anniversary. I think today, May first, oh, uh, twenty ten. It was when I started. Don't ever go watch those videos. Don't watch them because they're really bad. But um, it was. It's been nine years. Oh, wow. So thank you for sharing that, Jared. You're, this is a monumental night. I didn't even realize. This is really funny. Josh Lopez asked, where's the bald guy? Oh, that, that would be Dave. Um, We're going to have to get is, Dave on one of these. Yeah, we can throw him in there. We can do a three-man easily on, my, on this thing. So maybe we'll get Dave to join us uh, tomorrow. I'll see if he's around. Hey, we're, we're all the athletic family now, actually. So it works. Yeah, then he's kind of, he's, it has to. So don't forget, go over to read everything that Jared writes to the athletic and subscribe. Also, read my stuff. I just dropped a great video on the first-round adjustments that teams made that caught my eye. Uh, and I'll do the same thing again next week for something. So uh, EuroLeague, head over there. I'm doing some really cool stuff with them. And uh, they're, they're already talking about interviewing Yasekovicius uh, to coach the Memphis Grizzlies. And I did an awesome video on his, and I freaking nailed his name just now. So go watch it. Um, listen, I, you, want, you want the outtakes of that one, trying to get it right, was really hilarious. So um, anyway, all great stuff. Jared, what are you writing right now? Yeah, I got to do plugs. Also, screw Josh Lopez. Right after I gave them shine, he said, bring <laughs> Dave back. So, no, I will not bring Dave back. I'm going to shave my head. And you're going to have to listen to me from now on. And grow that uh, beard more. But so, yeah. Uh, but uh, I have a big feature coming out on, should be on the front page of The Athletic tomorrow, about Ooh. a certain emerging rap superstar. He's not a superstar yet, but an emerging rap star who is becoming a face of a city and NBA team. And I think is a really fascinating story. Even uh, if, Drake is still emerging. <laughs> that, that's the next one I'm going to do. But All right. It's a different one, but I don't want to spoil it yet. But I right. think if you're a big hip hop fan, I think you're going to find this really interesting. And if you're just interested in people in general, I think you'll find it very interesting. It was a, a piece I really enjoyed doing. Awesome. Well, great stuff. We'll see you right back here again tomorrow on Periscope and YouTube. And let's do oh, Facebook well, and everywhere else. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Jared? I'm right here.